A late evening recording this week. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Hand of Paul. Pod episode number 167 and by special request of the In Bed With Maradona team we have left a window open so you can hear the sonorous sounds of Buenos Aires in the background. Uh, apparently some of you like that, which certainly makes my job as an editor much easier. We've also, this week, got the editor's... Does that bus squeal slightly loud? We've got the editor's favourite dog on the podcast because this week we are recording at the home of the lovely Asla Pellet. Welcome back Asla. Welcome, thank you. It's been a while, and you can just about at the moment, at least I can in my ears, hear uh, Vinicius the dog slurping water. Um, the he's, dog. He's the largest and the quietest of all of the dogs that we have on Handler Pod, so I <laughs> love him. He's fantastic. I don't have to edit you out to any point, do I, Vinny? Uh, we're also joined this week by Gustavo. Hello. And Andres. Hello. And if only we had something to talk about this week, because really nothing much has happened since we last recorded. Uh, English Dan and I recorded last week, and since then we have had one Super Classico. We have another one coming up on Thursday night, uh, which Asma's going to, aren't you? Yes, I am going to. Uh, I missed... Uh, I missed... I couldn't go to last week's game, because I had other... I had to watch the Cruzeiro game and all that stuff, and... Well, tomorrow is going to be an interesting game, because... Uh, it's going to be... It's been a year I haven't been in Super Classico. Last time I was there was River, it was in Monumental as well. It was the one pocket one. Yeah. Yeah. And now I know that River is playing that, you know, it's going to be uh, an amazing thing to watch, really. The stadium is going to be exploding. It has and to be different this time, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Different from what, Andres? Different from the last one Aslo was out? Or different from last week's? Last week's. Because, of course, this is a, a strange hand pod to record because falling between two legs of a Super Classico, we find ourselves reviewing the Super Classico and also previewing the Super Classico, uh, which is the first time that we've done this on hand pod Last week's match was a very dull affair. Um, largely, it has to be said, even though there are no Boca fans and at least two River fans present, um, down to the game plan of Mr. Marcelo Gachardo, the River Plate manager, who appeared to have decided to tell his defenders to kick Bocas forwards as much as they could possibly get away with. Um, and they certainly managed that. I think it was 27 fouls by River and 11 by Boca or something like that. 41 fouls, 9 yellow cards, 0-0. Yeah. Zero, zero. It was like a great day of fouls, but like horrible day for actual football. It wasn't even that good for violence. I mean, none of the violence was, you know, cartoonishly just booting people up the arse <laughs> or anything you could really laugh at. It was just little niggly fouls that made the game... Clearly, clearly a, a week full of violence, not only because of the... Well, and we'll get on to the other reason uh, shortly, of course, yeah. Um, but how does it, Andres, first of all, as a River fan, because there were lots of uh, 
there was lots of discussion on Twitter afterwards about whether it was better for Boca to have not conceded an away goal or whether it was better for River to have not lost in La Bombonera. How did you feel about from that point of view? I should never celebrate a 0-0 result. Anyway, it clearly think that if one of them is better with that result is Boca because of the away goal that has, hasn't been scored. And now if they score one goal tomorrow, they will force River to score three. Hmm. in order to, to get through the final. Well, they won. It'll be two. Uh, two, sorry. Yes. To turn, turn around the, the result. Yes, I, I was like, a, well, a glass of wine is responsible for this. And, uh, and you're Argentine, so you're still not fully used to away goals yet because they only came in here about ten years ago and some of the commentators still yes. don't understand them. It's ridiculous. Uh, I, sorry, that was a minor run, but carry on. I don't think that any, any of the teams are better... Uh, really better, of course, Boca because of this of the away goal, but uh, and and, and uh, Juan Manuel Martinez that is down for the rest of the of the season. Uh, that is really really bad for them. Uh, and well, Angeli will be playing tomorrow. Who was the one who kicked him? So in this case, in this uh, special item, River is, is better better than Boca. Yes. All the players and Boca hasn't all the players. Although River don't have all of their players because Jonathan Maidana is missing, well, of course. Um, albeit, oh, this is a touch screen. That's fancy. Yeah. I was trying to. That looks like a bit of liquid on the screen. I thought it was a. Sorry, we're using Gustavo's lap, uh, laptop today, um, and I've not used it before, and I didn't realise it was touch, and I just almost fucked something up. Um, Jonathan Maidana is missing, but is replaced by Herman Pizzella, who's um, a fairly able replacement. Um, and uh, the rest of the team are going to be in very good shape from River's point of view at least Boca and River at the weekend both had Clásicos not the Super Clásico but they both had Clásicos River were away to Racing which is by the way Argentina's oldest rivalry um, and Boca were at home weren't they I'm trying to remember well, Independiente yes they beat Independiente I remember that bit but I couldn't remember where it was and it was of course at home cause I actually watched both games like from the Boca game I went to the Racing Stadium it was like, in, I think that was the best game I've ever seen in Racing Stadium in terms of show. It was the the stadium at one point had, yeah, like um, Bengalas. From our side, it was all blue, and yet, like, across the cylinder, it was all white. There were many people, more than the amount of people that should be in that stadium legally. Surprise, surprise. But it was like a fiesta, and... And River was playing with their, you know, they didn't want to tire the team for it. So they should, they, they are definitely going for Copa Sudamericana. They need to beat their rival in their home stadium. Well, let, yeah, let, they, let me invite you, sorry, let me invite you to, to watch, if you haven't still, the coming up of River Plate against Sao Paulo in 1997 Supercopa final. That was also a very, very good show. Someone, some people say that it was the best uh, receive of the crowd to a team in, the, in history. I don't know, but it's, no. it's, it's compared that. Because Racing uh, uh, team coming into the field uh, that day was, yes, was... Wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I watched Super Clásico, like Clásico between Racing and Independiente, and I haven't seen that much show. Like, like Racing was saying today, and he needed, I think they needed to win that game... In, to stay in the tournament and give like some movement to 
But they don't play any. I mean, it was really bad football. No, for, for, for Russian I was I was appalled. We you know when you watch World Cup for a month and then you watch Brazilian league, even though it's not that good. You come, I come back here and I'm looking and I was like, what is this? It's totally disappointing in terms of. I'm going, to, I'm going to cut you short for a second, Asta, because first of all, before we discuss the match, I just want to set the scene. This was two, three, two days. Hang on, Thursday night, Friday, three days, 76 hours, just under 30, 76 hours, after um, the dull nil-nil in La Bombonera between Boca and River. And River, of course, who were top of the league, then had to visit Racing, sandwiched in between these two Super Clásicos. So a couple of hours before, we'd seen a Boca side that was... Not a full reserve team, but certainly a mix, uh, sort of maybe five or six starters and uh, six or five um, substitutes, let's say. Um, beat Independiente, who didn't really seem to be trying very hard and completely fell asleep, particularly well, after <laughs> equalising. Well, um, yes, yeah. Yes. Um, also, that game, they were pretty... Some of them, I think the second goal of Boca was, you know, beautiful to watch. Was oh, they were nice, nice to goal. watch, but Independiente weren't providing much of an opposition for them. Yeah. Um, and it was followed a couple of hours later by Racing River, which, as Asla and Andres say, was quite an entrance um, for the teams, uh, from the Racing fans. And the situation for that, of course, was that uh, River were top of the league going into that game with 33 points. Yes. Lanús had, had equaled them with 33 the day before, but knew that they weren't going to end the season. Uh, the, weekend joint top of the table because Racing had 32 so any result between Racing and River would have meant that at least one of those teams were either level with or ahead of Lanús um, River needed a draw and they'd have been fine and I think that Marcelo Gachardo realising that the uh, postponed matches particularly the Estudiantes one a couple of weeks ago uh, have meant uh, a lot of fixture congestion for River and realising that you've got to prioritise right some people would say the league's more important than the Copa Sudamericana, but the league certainly isn't more important than a Super Clásico in the Copa Sudamericana, which could make or break the season. And so Gachardo's decision was to take a gamble, um, which I think in a way he had to take. I'm not sure he would have had to take it if there'd been a bit more rotation earlier in the season, maybe. But this week, at least, it needed to be taken. And there were only two regular starters, although you could say Herman Petzele is also one. Uh, but Marcelo Barrovero and Ramiro Funes Mori are the only absolutely undeniable first 11 players who took to the pitch for River and the others I'll read you their names why not and we'll see how many regular listeners notice of these Herman Petzela as we've already mentioned was alongside Ramiro Funes Mori in central defence uh, right back Emmanuel Man- Mamana mm. who you do know because he was the kid who debuted for Argentina before his River debut um, just before the World Cup uh, left back Bruno Uribarri uh, midfield of Augusto Solari, Guido Rodriguez, Ezequiel Sirigliano, he's back after a year and a half out. Osmar Ferreira, and up front Sebastián Driussi and Lucas Boche. Names that regular listeners, some of them, will be familiar to you, but um, by no means regular starters. And it backfired, ironically, with the two undeniable first 11 players conspiring to get an own goal. Um, after Marcelo Barrovero uh, saved very well from a Diego Minito close-range shot and it hit uh, Ramiro Funek Mori and the two of them couldn't then keep it over and that was the only goal of the game. And as Asma says, kind of fitting, I think, really, that an own goal ended up deciding that match because it wasn't that much of a classic, particularly particularly from Racing's point of view. Although they went top of the league with the win, 
considering that they were playing against this essentially a river reserve side and spent most of the second half hanging on for dear life for the for the result. Um, even so, Racing have now got four one nil wins in a row. They're seven games unbeaten. They're flying. Yes. Where's all the criticism of Diego Coca now? Because we saw plenty of it earlier in the season, as he pointed out. He was very eager to point it out after the match, and suddenly he looks like a much more competent manager. Players, when you hear them uh, being interviewed, they say all the time, "We have to win." But also to, to English fans, this may it's not unusual for Racing fans to criticize for uh, to criticize managers that actually have done well in their club or, uh, or at another cl- at, at other clubs. Not that that's unique to Racing, of course. It must be no. <laughs> but, um, so right, first of all. I think we've covered that uh, Rivers' gamble was one that needed to be taken, but how, not just from Sunday's game, um, but in, in more general terms, because the, the leadership of the league has changed for the first time since the fifth round, which was when River went top. Uh, sixth round, sorry, which was when Velez is... No, fifth round. Yeah. Velez won the first four and then lost, and then River overtook them. Um, the leadership of the league has changed for the first time since then. It's now Racing on 35 points and River and Lanus both on 33. So the two big questions that we need to ask are A, not just counting Sunday's match, but for their campaign more generally, do Racing deserve to lead the league? Um, B. Deserve is a, is a concept. I think, like, if you know anything about South American football, sometimes this, the goal is to win the game. And I don't think the quality of football ever really mattered to a lot of people here. So if Racing is winning, they're winning, and I can't really tell you. It's not, and I'm not talking as a Racing fan. It's not like everybody else is doing such a great job. Racing was playing like shit, and then they're becoming the leaders. They but got the lucky. Is, they had a really good, you know, goal a contra, and I think it was just a coincidence that. But the thing is, there are two other teams in the championship who were doing a great okay, job. Okay, R- but R- like, R- if R- you R- remember, there's applies. not a gambling. I believe that River R- is R- doing R- exactly R- what they need to do. Copa Sudamericana. Absolutely. They need that game. They don't care about the league, and they are totally entitled to do so. I believe it's a better strategy. Absolutely, but what I'm saying is, uh, River have just equaled a few weeks ago, admittedly, and it's now come to an end. But they, they, they've equaled a their club all-time unbeaten record in all competitions. Yeah, I remember that. And then it went That's downhill because they the had fact, to choose to the Americana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, sure, sure. But what I'm saying is the, the fact that, that River, when they lost to Estudiantes, weren't already miles ahead in the league was testament to how well Lanús were doing. And also Independiente had a very good run. And the fact that Racing had managed to catch them. OK, River in the league are now uh, four games without a win. They've drawn two and lost two during that time. Clearly, as we mentioned, tiredness is catching up with them and results have fallen off. But given the first, uh, how many games have we played? 17. So given the first 13 rounds that River had, the fact that two points from four games is enough of a run to suddenly knock them off first is remarkable because it suggests that there were other, other clubs behind them who were playing out of their own skins as well. And Racing's recent run, as I say, seven games unbeaten with... Six of those coming in victories, I think, in the last the last four in a row. Obviously, they've only been one nil. They've all looked like somewhat scrappy, but that shows a character in its own as well. So I kind of and it's it's like a roller coaster they because they they they, yeah. they lost a game, incredible game, which I mentioned. I think to Dan Ingistan against Atletico Rafaela with I think four or five shots shots in the in the post, and then they they won against Gimnasia with a marvelous free kick from from Bo. Also, not deserving the game, uh, winning the, the game, and and last that one against River, 
scoring a, a non goal and then uh, uh, trying to resist. So well, it's there is a go- there is a goal and you have to introduce introduce the ball there. And, yeah, and I think that is the final goal for for the teams. In I, I think I it's think only the only losers in this thing are the spectators, us. Because we keep watching lame football, lame games, lame goals. Are the spectators the losers? Because Racing's fans, they were happy. Long suffering that they are. Don't give a shit. When, when you talk to an intelligent when they, when they fan, no, no, we're not talking about like a fan who knows about football, such as yourselves. When you watch a game, when you see this the score that is such, like it could have been much more of a beautiful goal, just because supposedly we live in the the factory of football. What I'm saying is, I'm sure people after the, the you know the celebration you know sort of disappeared that night. They sat down and Racing fans too said, "We were not playing that well." I mean, I think it's it's given that people are no, honest with it. Absolutely, I, I'm almost certain that Racing fans didn't give a crap about the fact they didn't play that well. Two games to go, but certainly, I mean. You raise a valid point because we, we were, after about eight or ten rounds, we were discussing how entertaining this championship was. Some really good matches, some very good play, not just from River, but from a bunch of other sides. Um, and has it dropped off or not? And obviously, for River, it's dropped off. And obviously, we now have a championship that's led by a racing team who, as we just say, have, have won four games in a row, all of them somewhat fortuitously. But by and large, guys, watching the guys and girls, sorry. <laughs> Watch, watching the, um, the the round as a whole because we've not mentioned any of the other matches yet. Yeah, it wasn't short of goals. I'll, I'll run through the other the other results quickly now. Friday we had uh, Banfield three, Kilmes one. I have to admit I didn't see most of these because it's getting to the point in the championship now where I'm starting to get a bit fatigued and I would rather go out for a walk in the afternoon than watch a bunch of matches that don't have She's to just being doing girlfriend it's, duties. Come on, you have to do the girlfriend duties. No, look, <laughs> There's, there's not even any relegation for another year, as we'll again get on to. Yeah, there's not that much. So what's the point in sitting in sitting at home on a Saturday afternoon watching Atletico Rafaela against San Lorenzo? No, no, it's 30 I agree with you. Blazing sunshine outside. Um, Atletico Rafaela beat San Lorenzo 2-0. Olimpo and Rosario Central drew 1-1 on Saturday. Vélez Sarsfield, who were unbeaten at home in something like 11 home games in the league, um had things rather unceremoniously ended and I'm going to leave that result the exact scoreline until the end because it ties into the question that I would like to ask Lanús beat Team Nacia La Plata 2-0 as we've already mentioned that put them at the time joint top with River on Saturday night going into Sunday morning Estudiantes and Defensa Justicia played out an incredibly dull nil-nil draw Uh, Belgrano took the lead I think about 40 seconds in this is another game I didn't watch uh, through Lucas Rashan, um, and then saw it turned over in the last 16 or 17 minutes and lost 2-1 at home to Tigre Boca Juniors beat Independiente 3-1 Racing beat River 1-0 both of which we've mentioned already and then on Monday night uh, there was another rather unexpected result and those two unexpected results the one that I said I'd mention afterwards and this one on Monday were both remarkable in their own way because Vélez Southfield won Godoy Cruz 4 um, half of that scoreline sounds entirely predictable because Godoy Cruz scored lots of goals but the fact that they managed to only concede one goal for the second game in a row after a run of nine games conceding two or more in all of them um, might suggest possibly that Godoy Cruz have finally started to get it together and play some decent football could they be a threat in the 2015 championship? 
not to me. No, I don't no, think so. Too, 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 too much of a long shot. But they have been entertaining to watch. And now they've sorted the defence out, they were still entertaining to watch the other night. I well, I can, I can testify, having been a witness of one of Mashor's teams, that uh, his defence uh, coaching is not really that much uh, that, that good. So, But this is Daniel Olbra. Yes. Uh, the caretaker is now increasingly, after a 1-1 draw and a 4-1 away win, that's, uh, that's why getting I'm the backing of the fans to, to stay on. I'm basically... Oh, it, that was, it, he also... Uh, what was the first result he got? 3-2 defeat or something, wasn't it? Like, or something, maybe. Oh, no, 4-3. 4-3 win over a Studiantes, if I remember right. Um, but he certainly seems to have sorted the defence out somewhat now. I mean, a, a clean sheet, it wasn't. But Godoy Cruz only conceded one goal, and it's like any other team keeping a clean sheet, right? Um, and the other one on Monday was tremendously entertaining as well was Newell's old boys to Arsenal de Sarandi who remember ladies and gents before Monday night had played seven matches away from home this season and had won none of them had drawn one of them and had lost six of them Um, it ended Newell's old boys to Arsenal de Sarandi four in the first half was alright the first half was pretty good it ended 1-1 the second half was ridiculous Fantastic, I couldn't take my eyes off the screen uh, once Arsenal's goal started going in. Um, so well done, Arsenal. They're finally starting to transfer their home form into something away from home at precisely the wrong time of the season because there's only one away match left now. But. Same as happened with Manguesho that started scoring goals and he it, it looked, looked like he wouldn't stop uh, to, to score. Now the, 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 it's the time for... Bayern Alemán, who is scoring Bayern Alemán, who is from Uruguay, not from Germany, because... Yes. Yes. His surname means German. Um, His first name is uh, some kind of an approximation at the word Brian. So I wait for that bus to go past. Uh, uh, Brian Alemán's first name is spelt B-R-A-H-I-A-N. I I think I mentioned that on last week's podcast as well. It's a ridiculous spelling, and I love him for it. Um... And yeah, he's now sc- he scored seven goals this season and five of them in consecutive matches, which is uh, quite good going. And did you see his tweet afterwards? Yes. On Monday night, he, when he got back to the dressing room, he, he sent a tweet saying, I think you should all buy me on Grande Te. I'm very cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really yeah, under nice. price compared with all the other I, I, I think he will be the... Grande Te being the fantasy football. Of, I, I, I think think will you just, did you see that? Just this new piece of news? Maybe we should look at it. You can cut yeah. this part, whatever. Well, what we'll are be, they talking about? Yeah, we should we'll check it out. We'll be talking about the, uh, the okay. Maria, uh, after, after a break, which we shall have in a minute. But first of all, there's got to be something else that we can mention as well first on the pitch, isn't there? Anything? No. There is at least one thing, guys. The television switched on because of it, which is why I just saw that news story and uh, said it. We are currently at half-time, ladies and gentlemen, of the final of the Copa Argentina. It is frequently said mostly by me on this podcast, admittedly, that the Super Clásico, River against Boca, is the Argentina's equivalent of the FA Cup final, as English fans would have known it um, if you were about my age or older when you were children. If you're any younger than me and I'm 30, um, then you probably don't really consider the FA Cup final all that big a deal. Um, but uh, in spite of the fact that the Copa Argentina now exists, the Super Clásico really, in terms of media coverage, in terms of the excitement around the event continues to be Argentina's FA Cup final, which is just as well, um, because neither River nor Boca are in it, the, the Copa Argentina final at the moment. Um, probably a good thing, even though they're playing tomorrow in the Sudamericana. 
Do you know what, what will happen if Huracan wins the Copa Argentina? Because they are in National B. Um, Rewind. At half time of this match, it's Central nil, Huracan nil, and now Andres, please go. Yes. <laughs> if Huracan scores a goal and Rosario Central doesn't, which would mean Huracan winning the cup. Yes. Do you know what happens with them if they will qualify to the Copa Libertadores? They play, yeah, they play the Copa Libertadores. Even though they are in the Primera Venezuela. If Argentinos Juniors had got to the final and won it, of course they went out last week, um, but if they got to the final and won it, then they would not play in the Copa Libertadores, according to the AFA's rules, because AFA rules state that no team who has been relegated the previous season can play the following season's Libertadores. This is why, or Continental Competition, which is why... Um, or, sorry, no, no, no team who've even been involved in relegation playoffs. If River in 2011 had beaten Belgrano in the relegation playoff, they of course had finished in the Sudamericana qualification spot for the season-long table, but they wouldn't have been allowed into the Sudamericana anyway. Um, as a result of that, Argentinos technically would not have been able to qualify, although I have no doubt that had it happened, the current president of the AFA, who is the ex-president of Argentinos Juniors, Luis Segura, would have... Uh, seen to it that they managed to play in it anyway but no Huracan didn't get relegated last season um, so, uh, as a result of which if they win in the next ooh, more or less 45 minutes because the second half is and, and they can and, and they, can either be, they can anyway be promoted to the first division right now in the when, when the Primera yeah, they've still got chances so, haven't they uh, yes. which is another good thing that we should mention is that the Primera B Nacional the second division in Argentina is coming to an end indeed as is the Primera B Metropolitano in um, inverted commas um, uh, and we're seeing promotion battles come to an end and tonight we have Gustavo with us so Gustavo is the perfect man to talk about the lower leagues he is Hander Pod's resident lower league expert um, well, we have Asla as well today so and yes and Asla no doubt is, is right up to the, the minute time um, we have two Two, two, two Atlanta supporters and two real players. And it's very much like it doesn't happen that often, right? Like having two Atlanta fans in the same. Uh, yes, hand yes. Of Depends what mood Dan's in. English Dan. He sometimes plays the best one. To, but, uh, he likes to our the team. Popul- to the popular uh, a couple of times as well. With you? We'll end up invading Hand of Poland and eventually destroying it. <laughs> because, you know, at least in this building, there are like five Atlanta fans. The standard of Hand of Pod is already far too low to ever destroy it. But um, first of all, from the Bay Nacional, we've had a couple of teams who are already promoted, I believe. Have we not? Um, who are they? Gustavo or Asna? It's uh, from the Bay Nacional to Primera. To the Primera, yes. To the new 30-team Primera, which whose structure will get well, on Well, you know, Nuevo Chicago, estaba, they were like right there. The Nuevo right. Chicago is deflating at the, at the time. Moment. Yeah, deflating. Uh, temporarily. And uh, I'm not sure if. Of they course, yeah, the, so all of the promoted teams, in fact, are in Group B, aren't they? Rather than yes. Group A. In Group A, uh, we've got Gimnasia Jujuy and Nueva Chicago both on 29, with 18 and 19 games played out at 20, respectively. Colón on 28, so it looks like they're coming back up. San Martín San Juan on 28. Um, Aldo Civi on 27 in fifth. Argentinos Juniors on 27 in sixth. And level on goal difference with Aldo Civi. So Argentinos have had a bit of a surge recently. They beat San Martín, in fact, the other night, 1-0. Uh, a match I didn't watch because it was on at the same time as uh, Newell's Arsenal. But apparently Riquelme was amazing in it. Um, or so everybody on my Twitter feed led me to believe. And then there's a three-point drop to Boca Unidos in seventh. So at the moment, nobody is completely secure um, of promotion from zone group sorry, A. 
um, in Group B. However, we do have a couple of teams. We've got Union de Santa Fe uh, are up with 37 points from 18 matches. Tempele, as we mentioned, are up for the first time in, is it 27 years? 27 years. Uh, 1987? That sounds right, doesn't it? And they were de-affiliated from the AFA for financial irregularities as recently as 1993. Um, So, well done them. Sorry? Well done, them. No, no, it's a... It's a Versace, they, were, they were only promoted to the second division six months ago as well. Yes, yes, Reza's uh, record is really impressive. As he, managed to, uh, he managed to win promotion with Villa San Carlo to the National B at... Uh, I, don't know, I cannot remember if it was... It was uh, 2011 or 2012. Villa San Carlo came up in 2012. 12, yeah. that's right. Uh, on 2012, he won promotion to the National B with Villa San Carlos, then went to, to, to Temperley, um, took over from, from Vicheri, who actually uh, was promoted this week with Chacarita to the National B. Um, I apologise, listeners, for that noise. I'm pouring myself another glass of wine. <laughs> That's okay. Um, he took over Vicheri's, uh, Vicheri's team from, from in Temperley, got them to, uh, to Primera B, uh, and now has got them to Primera División. Whoops, I was trying to do that quietly and I failed miserably. It's not cracked out, but don't worry. Every Come time on. you come here, you break something, so I am kind of... It's watching. not broken. It's not broken. <laughs> this is from That's my it. great-grandmother. It's fine. It better not be broken. And it got to Buenos Aires. So I know, and I want to be out of here in one piece. It's really quite impressive because... Well, actually, there's not there's not like a feat that you can that you can point your finger on uh, regarding gameplay or, or, or tactics. Uh, for for example, I would say. For Temple, obviously, that, I've, sorry to, to butt in. I, I've not seen much of them uh, this season. It goes without saying. But one thing that jumps out at me looking at the the Group B table is that they have second in it, um, in spite of having lost seven games which is fully four games more than Sarmiento, who are one position and three points below them. Um, they've won ten, drawn two and lost seven. So clearly when you say there's no sort of cohesion to the strategy, yeah. it's all all bust, isn't it? Well, that, that's pretty much it. For example, their promotion from, from Primera B to Nacional, to Nacional B wasn't like marked uh, for, 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 for a spectacular campaign. They basically were promoted by penalty kicks so. mm. Uh, yet with a with a with a zone so weak, uh, for example, with teams that had had basically done 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 really really bad, like All Boys uh, or uh, or Sportivo Belgrano, which are at the bottom, but that have had difficulties through the whole through the whole tournament is like not really that surprising. No. And the, the up and down nature of Templis campaign, I've now brought up their results in order, and it's um, interesting reading. Lost one one one, lost one lost Drew Drew, one lost one lost one one lost one lost one. So presumably, away to Independiente Rivadavia Mendoza this weekend, they're going to lose. Um, that keeps up the nice win lose win lose win lose. <laughs> um, anybody else in group? B, who's close, uh, Sarmiento seem close, 29 points in third place. Crucero del Norte are in fourth with 27, uh, and only 18 games played for both of those teams. Atletico Tucumán currently fifth on 26, but 
having played 19 of their 20 games and three points behind them on 23 points are a team, two teams in fact, but one team in particular who had the pod listeners will be familiar with the name of, and that is Huracan, or Hurricane, um, as of course Henry May, who was once on this podcast, knows them, um, the, the father club or the mother club, as it were, of uh, Hurricane FC London. Um, Tied with them, however, are the Magnificent, a club whom we mentioned a few months ago when they first came up to the B for their fantastic name, Club and Library Ramon Santa Maria Marina de Tandil, um, Clube Biblioteca, who are on 23 points along with Huracan and might just pip them. I'm presuming that if teams finish level on points in fifth place, then they have to play a playoff, don't they? Yes. So that's a dramatic finish, because if... And let's go to Andorra Can and Santa Marina all win their last matches, then they're all finishing level on points because Borakan and Santa Marina have got a, point, uh, a, a game in hand over them, over Atletico uh, Tucumán. And two of those teams are clubs with fairly recent history in the Primera, obviously Oracan, who are currently in the Copa Argentina final, which has kicked off again in the second half. It's now four minutes in, still 0 0. Um, and Atletico Tucumán also we've had I'm not sure whether inside Hand of Pod's lifetime but certainly inside my period of watching Argentine football I think Atletico Tucumán might have been in 2010-11 were they in the Primera then? No What no, was that? Uh, San Martín? Oh, San Martín San definitely Martín. been in the Primera one yeah, I, I was wondering Tucumán. whether Atletico Tucumán had been as well I can't remember no, um, In Primera División no but in Nacional de both uh, both Tucumán teams have, have basically been around and challenging for promotion. But and all boys, what's going on with all boys? Because they were in the Primera as recently as six months ago, and they're sort of doing the opposite. Of they what fell term, apart. They of f- what temper they doing? They, bas- they basically fell apart. They uh, like um, uh, their, their their president uh, Bugasho resigned amongst the uh, amongst uh, uh, calls for a. Uh, for basically for misdealings mis- and uh, and so on, he was he was basically put it off the, the club and there was a there was a committee uh, they picked a president amongst a, a group of of of, uh, of uh, businessmen that, that basically had to do with the club. Then the, um, then they the, the last week they like basically switched the president uh, between them and. Uh, they, they, for example, they have lacked the the funding they they had the the previous tournaments in Primera. They haven't been able to to find a manager or a team that worked. Uh, they basically had a shit season. Hmm. And how many how many teams go down from um, from from the Nacional B to Primera B at the end of this year? At the end of this year, but there's is there actually... do any teams go down? Sorry. Do any teams go down for the New Look Championships for 2015? Could, could all boys be relegated? I think not. No? Is sure? I'm not sure, but... Because uh, there are teams going up to the A. Yes, but to fill in for the ones that are going to, yeah, yeah, to Primera. The seven teams that go up from uh, Argentino A and the three that come from Primera B Metropolitana. <laughs> and no relegations at all. There are no relegations in any division. No, but the but the but the points the points and uh, and the average is still counting. Yes, of course. Yeah, they'll they'll count to whenever relegation does end up happening. And to discuss whenever relegation does end up happening, um, I'm going to put in a small musical interlude now, and we're going to come back and discuss 
some more boardroom talk because we know how much Underpod listeners love to hear about what's been going on in the boardroom of the AFA, so don't go anywhere. during that brief musical interlude, the only team, the, the only division, sorry, who are going to end up with more teams in them, in it, than uh, they currently have, it currently has, uh, is the Primera. Because yeah. in all the other cases, the teams going up are replaced by teams coming up from the division below and there are no relegations. Is that the case also for Primera de and Torneo del Interior? Uh, for the primera, for the primera day, they are basically still deciding how it will be. There was They're still deciding. God, the I don't know why I'm surprised. Well, uh, we we had actually discussed this the last time. It it was basically that uh, in the AFA in the AFA table, the the first issue discussed is Primera División, and then it's basically like. Well, well, we'll see what happens with the rest yes, of them. Two months uh, on or later than two months. Two months. To, to go to to study the fight division tournament and, and they didn't they didn't know how how it would be played so it's not no surprise for example do you remember f- the famous project by Daniel Angelici Boca's president to uh, to bring in a feeder team for Boca that feeder team is supposed to be uh, one of the one of the teams that will fill those void spaces in the in the Primera de going upwards. So we're kind of at a point now where we're talking about something that got talked about in England a few months ago, which is potentially having Primera signed reserve teams in lower divisions. Yes, but, the, well, but he, he hasn't like gained to, to, uh, he hasn't like gained quorum on that. Like the project, the project has been frozen, but it's uh, it's on the table. Indeed, I'm talking of frozen projects which are on the table. Um, Tuesday evening brought yet another round of announcements from the AFA. English Dan and I talked about them last week. I'm sure that in the birthday episode we talked about them the week before as well, because every Tuesday recently seems to be, this time it's final. This time this is ha- definitely how the 2015 Tonelo Primera is going to be played. Um, and every Tuesday, what was happening the previous week has been written over. However, this time, the phrasing and the documents that have been released by AFA and all of the wording around it actually does appear to be what's going to happen. Plus, this time, it's been approved by the government, which is, A, the really important thing, uh, and I don't say that sarcastically, although I kind of want to say it sarcastically, it really is what matters, and B, the thing that should have Argentina thrown out of FIFA, if FIFA are going to you know, follow their own statutes, which say that government interference can't happen in the running of the country's league or football association, um, I suspect that they're not going to treat Argentina in quite the same way as they've treated, say, Peru uh, in the very recent past and certain other nations who are much smaller and don't have the same weight or Lionel Messi to play in the World Cup, for instance. Recently, Argentina dismissed uh, the possibility of organising the 2030 30 uh, World Cup uh, with Uruguay, which is right because we can't organize uh, the domestic 
league and imagine the, organizing a World Cup. Mm. But what what is incredible about the, the, the this tournament of 30 teams is that the reason the main reason uh, why uh, Grandona wanted to, to to do this of the this tournament of, of a lot of teams in it is the the possibility of of uh, making a, a, an online bets project which has been is that the main reason one of the reasons because they wanted to uh, gain a lot of money from the from that uh, online bets and system they thought, the, they thought the more teams in the primera would help people to buy that, the, the combination be, of, of I bets must interject at this point as, as the uh, the native english speaker in the room the only native english speaker in the room which is quite unusual for the pod um, and, and mention that to our anglophone listeners, be you in the United States or in certainly in the UK, um, and to an extent in Australia, um, I, I need to point out now that in comparison to us, Argentines really, really, really don't understand betting or even do it to any great degree. They don't do it, it's illegal. So it's not legal. No, well, totally. I mean, but, but and not a lot of countries have it totally legalized and they make money yeah, out sure, of it. Yeah, sure, here is a bit more The Turkish also, League is totally funded by the betting system, you but know. It, but it is also worth mentioning that, for instance, Hand of Pod Seva um, will occasionally, maybe four or five times a year, places a bet on a Premier League football match. And when he does, his Argentine friends all mock him and accuse him of having a gambling addiction. And they mean wow, it. Wow, that's kind of so crazy. Because people here just don't don't place this. Also, when Argentina played the friendly against uh, Nigeria a couple of years ago, that was clearly rigged towards the end for the Nigeria's ridiculous four-one win. They were five minutes. Was, I did, no, and they, they, there was, was a penalty in the last minute. It, it was either three-one to, yes. to Nigeria or four-nil to Nigeria. There was six minutes of stoppage time added, and mm-hmm. Argentina scored a fifth goal with the odds for a fifth goal having come way down, even when mm-hmm. stoppage time was being entered. Um, there was a, a very brief article on, on I think it was the Kanchashena, the La Nacion sports website, a couple of months ago, and some of the comments under that were along the lines of, why would you fix a friendly? What a bunch of fucking idiots. As if, you know, it didn't make any sense to do it for anything but sporting reasons, when in fact, of course, friendlies are the easiest games to fix, and you do it because you're a gambler who's going to win millions and millions of dollars on it, or billions of dollars. Can I make a phone call? Please feel free to take a photo. No, if you're not, if you can take a break, you can do that. Why not do it during recording? Huh? You can do it during recording and then we'll sound <laughs> professional and I might have to do no, it. No, 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 no. We'll, we'll do it during the next uh, uh, musical break in that case because I'll know that down. Um, I think that they didn't, care, they didn't even care on, on Argentinian betting or, or they, they, they knew how to bet or, or about betting. Technically, but they they try to do that because of the money they they want they thought they would. We, we have to get money from somewhere. Yes, that's there is no more money. The government don't want to pay any more money. That's a crucial yes. thing for the television rights. They know that one day as well. This is a point that I saw come up on Twitter today. One day, the government contract is going to come up, and the government are going to say, "We're not paying you any more money. We've not got more money." And at that point, the AFA are going to have to to go back to Taze or maybe to Fox or ESPN. And accept less money than the government account. You during, money, yeah. during the conversations in the last uh, in the last week, there was uh, there was someone at the table, a produ- uh, I think it's one of the general directors for TSE, mm-hmm. who was in the table for the for the for the decisions. Why is the well? They have international rights, don't they? TSE stuff. They do, but uh, for example, 
generally for the, the AFA wouldn't mind because they wouldn't care except for a, for a football para todos which is basically still bringing like most of the money mm-hmm. why a company like they say that lost the television rights and only has for example the lower leagues from the Primera B Metropolitan downwards and the international rights which don't do not compare uh, substantially to the to what football para todos gets or gives actually yeah why were they invited to the table because there there's there may be a hint of this that they're, that that you're mentioning it yeah and also because i think they do some of the production in fact i think t- yes, they, they, t- they, they provide the cameras and some yeah. stuff yes um, in spite of the fact that you see at the bottom of the screen, okay, it's not up on the television at the moment, but Producción Integral de Football para Todos is actually not all of the matches are, um, particularly for the Copa Argentina, if I'm correct. Although I might be making that up. The, the big question, though, right, is that because most of our listeners don't really want to know about all of the stuff with the television, with why they say I've got a guy who gets the say or whatever, is what's the structure going to be? The, the first division next season. What's it going to look like? 30 teams, we know that, we've known that for a long time. Um, and it turns out that after all of these weeks and months of, of saying, no, we don't want this, yes, we want this, we want to repeal that, no, we don't want to repeal that, we want to go back to this way, why don't we do it with two rounds of this, why don't we do it from February until June and then have 28 teams and blah, 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 blah. That we're going to do it exactly the way that Julio Bordona wanted it to be done when Julio Bordona died. Because... It's Julio Bonona, and he has this influence, even from beyond the grave, on Argentine football, as we always used to joke that he would. Um, the structure of the next Libertadores, uh, Libertadores, no, Libertadores does come into it, but the, of the next um, first division for 2015 is as follows, and it is influenced, because we've mentioned government interference, it is influenced by the fact that neither the government and nor, I suspect, all that much the AFA, want to have any teams relegated before the presidential elections next year. If you're listening to this aware that the AFA have presidential elections next year and are wondering why the government care about the AFA's presidential elections, they don't, but they care well, about their own. <laughs> they care about their own presidential elections because they're also Argentine presidential no, elections. They will be relegated but also promoted. So but not before the election there won't be. There won't be any relegations before yes, the election. You're right. Yes. Um, at the end of 2014, that is to say, in effectively football-wise, uh, in a week or two, when the second division ends, there will be 10 second division teams promoted to the first division, as we already know. And the structure for the 2015 first division now will be as follows. Everybody will play everybody else. 30 teams against all the others, that's 29 rounds, once, home or away, plus the Clásicos, which are going to be drawn with their pairs, as uh, Luis Segura put it um, the other day, because we don't know who all the Clásicos are going to be. It's pretty obvious that they're doing this so they can have two Super Clásicos each year still. <laughs> River and Boca playing home and away, that's the main thing, for the television money. That's all that matters. The fact that Tempele are coming up, who the fuck is Tempele's Clásico, Gustavo? Tempele's Clásico. Traditionally, I mean. Uh, it can be uh, Los Andes. Los Andes. Are Los Andes going to be in the Primera next season? No. So by the AFA's logic, of course, Tempele play 29 games next season and River and Boca have to play 30 each in the first division, but it's not going to play like that. Tempele will be randomly drawn against another team without a Clásico. Obviously. River Boca, <laughs> Racing Independiente, Huracan San Lorenzo, if Huracan come up, these are all going to be played home and away. Um, 
which again is slightly unfair if you know you'll say River Plate and you're in a title race against Godoy Cruz and San Martin aren't in the first division Godoy Cruz might end up getting their um, extra fixture against a much easier team than you do if you've got one point apart with one game to go let's say everything is perfectly taught it's, <laughs> in it's just it's to be so like, remarkable it's isn't it it's, it's absolutely incredible um, and imagine the key, these guys sitting down in this room like bunch of you know well, AFA members they, and you know bureaucrats in like high level they, they think about the sessions and sessions debating this and thought that this was the best way to go at the end of it I and, can't believe it I mean I can't believe anyone can pick a best way like this well what well, like one good thing that I'm as somebody who has to write the betting previews for next year as well uh, I'm delighted about is that in the whole of 2015 as long as nobody dies and they don't decide to cancel all the matches, which is always a, a chance in Argentine football, it's happened two or three times while I've lived here, uh, there will not be any midweek rounds. And they're stopping for FIFA matches, which means that we're not going to have this ridiculous and, situation. And they, we have they but I have a question, I'm sorry. I'm really willing sorry. To bet on it? Is this one of the changes that we need to... I don't know, did they take in consideration the Copa America for a month in June? Is it's that stopping. why it there makes the there congested any, league, yeah. no? You know? No, there aren't going to be any matches during June for the Copa America. They're stopping for FIFA games. They stopped for a month for the Copa America. So lots of congestion. And, and with that stop, anyway, they, they turn and will end in November and they will have two yeah. months of vacations. And so. this is after as well. They're stopping for the elections, for the Argentine elections, of course, because nobody is allowed to... The, the elections always happen on Sunday in Argentina, and there's a law that says no one's allowed to have any fun on that weekend, basically. So, bars okay. aren't allowed to open. So, basically, no there is a lot of time, and, 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 and things mid- fit perfectly. No midweek rounds for, for Primera División, not, not to mention the mm-hmm. Cups. Yes. Which, well, exactly, yes. Yeah, so, the Cups are going to be uh, at least able to fit them in a bit more easily. And what's going to happen after that is, obviously, at the end, well, it's not obvious, given the structure, but they're going to be crowning the champions essentially the same way they crown them now. The top team after 30 matches of 30 teams um, are going to be the champions. These teams in second are going to be the runners-up. That makes sense. And after that, to decide Copa Libertadores and Sudamericana qualification, we have a very interesting system. Um, And again, we're reading this all out now because apparently this is all confirmed and it all seems very final for once. It might or might not be subject to change, but it seems like this is what's going to happen. Uh, right, where's it gone? Here we go. First of all, at the end of 2015, in one year's time, which crucially will be after both the Argentine presidential elections and the AFA elections, so nobody's going to be going to the polls sad because the team have just gone down, in one year's time there will be two relegations and two promotions between Primera B and Primera B Nacional. So 2016, beginning of 2016, there are still 30 teams in the Primera. That's the first thing. Libertadores, there are going to be a pair for Libertadores and Sudamericana of what's called in Spanish Liguichas, or mini-leagues, but in fact... Playoffs. They're they're knockout tournaments. Playoffs, exactly. Thank you, Andres. And the pre-Libertadores mini-league, is going uh, mini-playoff, is going to be played between the teams from third to sixth. That's four teams. From third to sixth. One match only. And the home side will be the side to finish higher up the, this, the, um, the league. So presumably it will be third against sixth and fourth against fifth. That was the the third and five will be home. Yes, precisely. Yes. Uh, third and fourth will be at home. Um, the final is going to be home and away. The winner of this, 
they've not said whether the final's going to involve away goals or extra time or straight to penalties. I'm assuming no extra time. Is it like Copa del Rey? Sort of like a Super Copa or Copa like playoff style. No, this is to it's a playoff to get into the Libertadores. Um, the winner of this will go to the Libertadores 2016, as well as the champion of the 2015 championship. That makes sense, doesn't it? The runner-up, which also makes sense. The winner of the 2015 Copa Argentina, which we would like to point out, although the final of the 2014 Copa Argentina is taking place, the 2015 Copa Argentina already started several weeks ago. Yes. Um, and the best Argentine side of the 2015 Sudamericana. So that's five teams in total. For the Sudamericana 2016... We're now talking almost two years into the future, but it's all going to be decided in one year's time. The following teams will go into the, those playoffs. The two teams who get knocked out of the pre-Libertadores playoffs, so that's the third to sixth place, the two teams who lose in the first round of those, as well as the teams between seventh and 18th place, so that's 14 in total, I think. They'll all be played one match only with the home team, being the team who finished higher up the league. The qualifiers after this phase will play again will play the finals and from which you'll get four teams um, as well as the winner of the Super Copa two thousand and fifteen, which is the match played between the champions of the first division and the Copa Argentina. This this Copa Argentina this or Copa they, no you've got to be fucking kidding me, really? God that's a very good point, though, right? Because here it's, it implies that it's next year's Copa Argentina, but in fact, what it doesn't say here is what happens to the team who win this match that are taking place at the moment. They obviously go to the Libertadores. What we know is that Libertadores and the Super Copa. So it must be the Super Copa 2015 must be the winner of next year's league and this year's Copa Argentina. No, I, I, I God, I'm confused. Now. I, I, I would bet that the 2016 Sudamericana Libertadores everything. Will be, be next qualified from the 2015 Copa Libertadores. So, ah, right, yeah, because we haven't had the the super. Oh bloody hell! No, I'm very. <laughs> let's forget about this and just pretend we haven't said anything. And the and the loser of the final of the um, Libertadores playoffs also goes to the Copa Sudamericana. We will all talk about this in much more detail, or possibly just as much detail, or just as little detail, but with far more knowledge and just trusting the effort to get things done and work it out, which isn't necessarily the way to go, um, next year, when it all actually comes to fruition. Um, but the other crucial point is that from 2016 onwards, we're going to have the planned Torneo de Transición, starting in February 2016, ending in June 2016... Um, just, in, just in time for the 2016 Copa America, the centenary version in the United States. And at the end of that, at the end of that, at the moment, nothing's confirmed, but they're talking very strongly about this happening. And Luis Segura, the AFA president, said it's what he wants to do over a period of time, at least, is that at the end of the 16 Torneo de Transición, February to June, there will be, we don't know whether it's going to be three going down and one coming up or four going down and two coming up or six going down and four coming up or whatever but there will be two more relegations than promotions and they will stagger and after that uh, after that, that initial transition we will then have a 2016-17 season followed by a 17-18 season each time with two more relegations than promotions so that by the beginning of the 2019-20 season we have a Primera of 22 teams which is the final goal that would mean from 2016, the middle of 2016, having the whole season uh, fitting the Europe Precisely. season. As exactly as yes. it was until this year, 
only presumably with one championship one season long championship rather than two short championships and this is another point that irritates me somewhat because the short championship is something that we've discussed many times on Hand Apart we've discussed the pros and cons of it a few times and uh, the Argentine journalism and also the AFA continue to call what's going to happen next year 2015 a long championship and I'd like to make very clear to all listeners that Handapod is not going to consider it a long championship because a long championship for me is one that's home and away. Everybody plays everybody else home and away. And you end up, if you've got 30 teams in the division, then everyone ends up playing 48 matches. Hang on, no, that's wrong, isn't it? 58 matches. Is that right? Yes. What's 28? Yes. 58. Um, if you've got 20 teams in the division, it's a 38 game season. That's a long championship. All that's happening next season is we're having a short championship but with more teams in it than normal, so you have to play more matches, but it's not a, long, a proper long championship. Um, and that's that. And now, we are going to play some music, and we will come back in a minute, and we will talk about violence in Argentine football yet again. earlier on asking me whether we were going to talk about that. Um, you will not have seen her pointing at the television or indeed what was on the television at the time because you're listening, you're not watching Hand of Pot. Um, but what was on the television at the time was a reminder during the half-time news break that yesterday, uh, that's Tuesday, um, in a heartwarming show of support for the institution that they have grown up loving and whose shirt they wear and whose songs they were apparently singing when they walked through the turnstiles, um, a group of River Plate Barra Bravas walked into the cafeteria inside the Estadio Monumental and started smashing it to shit and uh, beating up another group of River Plate Barra Bravas who were inside it, sharing out tickets for Thursday night's Super Classico. Um, there were four injuries, all sustained by Barras, and at least one which we heard about on the radio, and I think three, um, sustained by innocent bystanders who had to go to the hospital. One of the batterers is in hospital, um, in a serious condition, apparently, although stable. And, as we say every time, uh, or as I feel I should say every time at least, it's very difficult to feel any sympathy for him, to be honest, because he knew what he was getting into when he chose that life. And if there's ever a clearer message to be sent to, to listeners of this podcast who maybe don't get what the batteries are about because believe it or not there are some I, I still get tweets sometimes when this happens saying oh they're just really passionate fans and the stadiums in Argentina wouldn't be the same without them these are all people who've never been within 3,000 miles of South America of course um, and also I think there's a, sometimes a misconception of um, barras versus hooligans because well, exactly, yeah. People yeah, but it has nothing to do with like we we basically, I think I underlined, this, I underlined this many times, Barras are paramilitaries or mercenaries who make a lot of money out of this. And their fight is not about if Boca in River is fighting. And it's not like the, the fight for the, the no, team. Precisely. It's probably control of the drug deal, parking you know, lot, 
you know, hanging of some, and also political muscle power, which we know very well that they are used widely during the protests and stuff. And and this is something that from club to club obviously varies, but Rivers Barra is enormously powerful and and, and big. It goes without saying, I think, that the the, the Barras of the Big Five are the most, perhaps not always the most problematic, because of course the most problematic can be the Barras who are relatively large in much, much, much smaller clubs. Nueva Chicago, for example, that we mentioned during one of the breaks earlier. Um, yes, there is more money involved in, in the, the Barras. Precisely, yeah. Proportionately yeah. speaking, the smaller clubs there are more involved, but in River and Boca there are more involved as just a mass of people, and, and it becomes more of a problem. Um, but they get, as Asla says, they get to control parking. One of the cars, or the car that was smashed up during yesterday's riots, belonged to one of the main, uh, the official, in inverted commas, River Barra, uh, and it was apparently parked in a section of the River Car Park that's reserved for River's directors and president. And this is something that some of the radio stations and television shows didn't point out because they want to maintain a good relationship with the River directorship. Of course, Hand of Pond doesn't have this issue because they don't have a fucking clue who we are. Um, <laughs> is that although the current River uh, board came in on a you know very relatively anti-Badra stance in as much as you could be expected to in Argentina, which as we discovered with Javier Cantero at Independiente is not an anti-Badra stance at all. Um, they have done a, made a big show of, of getting rid of the dissident faction, who were the people who broke into the stadium yesterday, and, or didn't break in, walked into the stadium using their membership cards, um, and started beating people with sticks and trying to stab them with knives. Um, but they don't do anything about the official Badra, because the official Badra were in the cafe sorting out tickets that they've been given by the directors. But they went straight to kill someone, because they, they, they said... They entered the, the, the cafe, shouting, where is he? We, will, we are going to kill him. Something like that. Where did you hear that, Andres? I mean, were you in the cafe? No. <laughs> And you're happy you weren't, I'm sure. Yes, I, I Those situations that. are to Sorry, be avoided. That, that sounds really critical to say, but there are so many different versions going around, from, depending on which channel you're watching or to which radio station you're listening to and what yes. their relationship is. The, you know, Fox Sports Radio de Plata, as uh, one of my Twitter followers, Christian, rightly pointed out to me when I was just relaying what they were saying on my Twitter yesterday, have a very good relationship with Rivers Directorship and want to keep that relationship. And they didn't mention the fact that the official Barra were in the club. The official Barra are, uh, for regular listeners and those who are familiar roughly with the Argentine football, are Los Guadarachos del Tablón. Um, they didn't mention the fact that they were sitting in the cafe at the time. They said that these guys just walked in and started smashing the place up, and it colours it extremely differently when you, you know, all that amount. And, and so, no, I was asking purely because there are so many different places that various witnesses spoke to and people who were there. You know, do you but, know? But brothers are always looking for something, looking for especially money, mm. tickets, whatever. So if they enter the club uh, in that violent way, that means something. That means that inside the club there was someone or, or something they were looking for. It's Indeed. clear, it's simple. This is yet another point where I ask followers uh, on Twitter. Followers sounds very cult-like, doesn't it, when I just say it like that. I mean Twitter followers. Um, and Handapod fans, if you don't have Twitter, you can email me. Uh, sam at astaelgolsiempre.com or go to the Handapod blog 
and send me a, uh, a message on the contact form to just let me know or reaffirm that you would like to hear a special on all of this stuff because we have at least one guest lined up who's happy to talk about it and knows a lot about it um, from the non-governmental organisation Salvemosel Football uh, and January strikes me as a perfect time of year to do it because there's no other football to talk about um, we don't have a lot of time to cover it now as we generally don't um, now we're going to play a little bit more music and we're going to come back and try and whip very quickly because Asta's in a bit of a rush through your questions so don't go away First of all, Lawrence Hart uh, sent me this on the uh, three days ago, a Sunday night, Monday morning, saying, forgive me for asking, but is the River goalkeeper normally such a moaner? <laughs> Andres is looking thoroughly puzzled, whereas Gustavo's just burst out laughing. Uh, Marcelo Barrovero was not very happy with either his defence or the referee on Sunday night. Um, goalkeepers everywhere are, but no, he's uh, not one of the best, it has to be said. Uh, Chris Hartley says, who currently... And now you can, dear listeners, for a change here, Benicia, who is panting quite impressively and has stopped as soon as I said his voice there. Uh, Chris Hartley says, who currently in the world of Argentine football has the worst haircut? The worst haircut? haircut. Oh, God, I have a couple. As um, the, you're the stylish television presenting. Yeah. You can tell us. You've met you know, of first of all, I started to see a lot of those, you know, Clean shave here. Oh, that's awful. They, no, I'm not saying it's that's the best among the past. It's you know. still awful. No, I think the awful is when they shave all this and they have like almost like um, uh, what kind is? of a really fat mohawk. Exactly, yes. that's the worst. That well, reminds yeah. me of although Boca player, a famous Boca player, everybody knows. Say the name. Oh, I'm trying to. I'm. Uh, no. He already almost <laughs> retired. He went to some shit team in Argentina Juniors or something. Riquelme. Riquelme had that hair. Uh, did he? Well, yeah. You haven't seen. You know how like it also ends like you know in like in oh, a form. Yeah. It comes like this and it ends in a no, like a triangle here. It's unbelievably bad. Like oh, Diego, worse in mullets. Diego Gonzalez from Lanús has a more deep, deeply uh, haircut like that because he has shaped this part literally. Yes. And, and the upper part is, is with yeah, yeah. yeah. And who's the Lanus player who got the star shaped into the side of and, his head uh, for yes, several uh, weeks? Is that Ashala. Victor Ashala? Victor yes. Ashala. And he, <laughs> he, he had his three stars because of the three tournaments he won with Lanus. Uh, as a, he left that as, as a part, part of the hair. So I didn't realize three that. Was three stars. Yeah. I'm, I'm voting for Ashala anyway, just for that. Uh, Chris also <laughs> says, do you feel that the 30-team top division will affect the quality of football and or potential for clubs to win the Copa Libertadores. Totally, yes. The quality of football, yeah, of course, is going to dilute it. I, I don't know whether, it, you know, the, the decent teams aren't going to get worse as a result, but it's certainly going to dilute the quality of the division overall. As for potential for clubs to win the Copa Libertadores, no, I don't think No, not actually, really. I, I don't think I don't it's going to affect it that If anything, the fact they've got 30... 30 rounds of games to fit into a calendar year where previously they were fitting in 38 with all the midweek games and stuff as well 
it's going to be slightly less congestion fixture-wise. So I think it could even favour Argentine clubs slightly in that respect. Um, I think Tom, the quality of football in Argentina today, I mean, the, the, the clubs are not really investing so much, except this year with yeah. River and Boca for international tournaments. And with the, the vision is smaller. We have Brazilian teams, we have Colombian teams, we have Mexican teams, even like Bolivian teams. In but when you talk about this year, it is worth just reminding ourselves that the reigning champions of the Copa Libertadores are an Argentine club. So. Which, is, which is why, because that team has been taken by two amazing men and they made a club and, and they run it how it's supposed to be run. You know, I think what happened to San Lorenzo was the collective work of San Lorenzo fans, Tinelli, and you know, Matias Lamech, the president, who said, I'm going to fix this club up. And I think they're running, it's a corporate you know, place. Everything is, I think, being taken care of in a more professional way than before. Come on. I know he's a, Gustavo is not agreeing and, with uh, me at the moment, but so I can see the results. So just, just, uh, fan bases, you know, they're uh, paying do they have their dues. To, do they have anything to do with the production of your television? No, 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 no. I'm not saying this in that. I mean, but. You can totally tell. You could walk into a stadium. No, it's you totally look right. at their team. When, when they took how over, run is tell from when the they fact. took over San Lorenzo on the verge of relegation. Exactly. You remember they were like they were in a horrible, horrible position. These guys came, and you have not. I'm not denying when you have a lot of money and you put that cash into cash flow of a club. Like I guess they managed to do it. There is no place for failure I mean, in that so, sense. Something go Tinelli even. Uh, carried some players to San Lorenzo when exactly. he wasn't the, gov the government yeah. and, and then well that means something we, we are putting money and I money. heard I don't know if you, maybe you've talked about this when I wasn't joining you that Tinelli was actually trying to they, he was pre-selected to be the voice of Football Para Todos and like when the last you know yeah, we they failed because he said no to their you know some of I guess the circumstances or consequences of taking that over. That's putting it mildly, but yes, we mentioned this at the time. Um, Tom Robinson has asked a question. Uh, first of all, I'm going to read James Fielden's reply to this question. He says, I have no idea whether this is serious, but it made me laugh. Uh, Tom's question is, what is the current state of women's football in Argentina? That silence ought to answer the question. Um, <laughs> None of us can really say. They did quite well in the Copa America recently, didn't they? They finished good to reach the final, lose to Brazil or something. Um, I don't know. I'm just following the, the, the women's team you know, of my team. So. Or it, might, it might have been the, one of the youth women's Copa Americas. But generally speaking, as a, as a rule, uh, women's football in Argentina is nowhere near as well developed as it is in Brazil. Um, and in well, countries like obviously the, the, the states and Germany and China, but uh, it's improved a bit over the last five years or so. But I've River and Boca have great female teams. Yeah, that's I true. actually covered yeah. a Super Clásico de Boca River two years ago, and there was a girl who was playing. They call them the female Riquelme. She plays for Argentinian national team as well. When you watch the football they were playing, I think they were much better than many. You know, um, yeah, primary, like let's say some of the Argentine teams within that 30 we're talking about, by far they were better. I'm not saying as a woman, seriously, for their age, 18, 19 year old girls, most right, of them the are right. not no. being trained as well, as much as the no, guys. If you check the level of some of the Primera B Metropolitana players, probably she's probably <laughs> this girl probably can rock, you know, Metropolitana B, like she'll be messy so, in that league. 
Yeah, I think there's investment in that sense, and I it'd think it'd be interesting that to see whether whether a, a, a degree of professionalism might help them to get moves to. I don't think more they're paying them, you know. It no, because that's what I'm saying. But whether they could get a move to say the the United States. It might help Argentina because I, I remember watching one women's tournament, the, the Women's World Cup. I can't remember how many World Cups ago, but the, the Argentine goalkeeper was like 18 years old or something. And, she, and this wasn't the under-19s World Cup. It was the full adult yeah, women's World it Cup. It could be something against, like against the Brazil, about rugby in Argentina. Like the good players in female football probably will be sold and played professionally yeah. in the United States. Like you said, where the women's league is tremendously yeah, well run. I'm going to just nip in now and mention that uh, the Copa Argentina final has gone to penalties there is no extra time of course in Argentina in cup competitions and Huracan have just scored their first after sorry no uh, Rosario Central have just scored their first after Huracan have missed their first so we will give you the, the result of that in hopefully a few minutes but if it's a ridiculous penalty shoot I might end up taking longer Toby Millard asks why was Javier Sanetti left out of the 2006 and 2010 World Cup squads was it purely tactical it certainly wasn't purely tactical, no. We have to ask, so, in that case, why Tevez was left behind from 2014? We, we, don't, Tevez. Necess- we don't necessarily have to, because in 2006, it, right, in 2010, the answer is very sim- simple. They were being managed by Diego Maradona. So any question about why anybody was left out or included is completely invalid. It was Diego Maradona managing. Sorry. In 2006, Pedro why, why did Peckerman leave? Peckerman had his own players. He knew well from the sub-20s. Uh, uh, World Cup sta- uh, squads, which was uh, well, he won a lot of uh, two two World Cup with that, those players with Cambiaso, mm. uh, Riquelme, Saviola. Uh, we can mention some more. Also, uh, he trust on them, and, and well, he he, uh, he was one of the of the coaches that prefer to to keep with the players he knew well. Anyway. Depending independently of the of the of the skills or, or of the performance, than someone he didn't knew, even though yeah. we know Sanetti, he was yeah. ten or fifteen years for in, with no interruption in, in, from playing for Inter. But well, yeah, I think he was that though. But that's that's fair to think so also in mind. First of all, uh, that uh, Sanetti got to play professional football up until what forty. He was basically um, he was basically like aged by the, by, by two thousand and six and then by two thousand and ten. And there's also like this kind of mindset in Argentina where if you don't win a World Cup and you play like two or three World Cups, you're basically bound to to be tagged as. This as is another thing because in Europe. It's, it's worth remembering, in, in 2010, Sanetti just captained into the European Cup, so it's a legitimate question to ask him, though he was old by that point. But in Europe, in 2006, I remember seeing the Argentina squad announcement, and Sanetti's exclusion was a massive controversy here, in Europe. Here, very few people said anything about it, and all of the fuss was about Herman Lux being overlooked for the third-choice goalkeeper's role because he was doing really well at River at the time. That was headline news on the Olay website um, it's quite a bizarre kind of dichotomy less so now maybe but certainly at the time it was a really bizarre the, the difference in priorities between the European press and, and the Argentine press uh, Mike asks if River finish up empty handed I don't win the league or the Sudamericana are the bigger players likely to move on I think the Libertadores is going to help them to keep 
some of them, and, and to a certain extent, hard-headedness, but they're going to have to sell at least one. Balanta, uh, yeah, you would think, is going to move on, and if they can get rid of Dale for a decent price, then they should do, because he's overdue some kind of outburst, right? And uh, yes. uh, he's, uh, every time he can, he, he says that he would love to, to play Europe, and and, uh, and and the chances are, are will get smaller as, as time goes by. So. And he also says that he needs it to secure the future of his family. Oh, okay. He's 29, he's not going to get another shot at Europe, but yeah. after about this season, or maybe he'll push next season. So it makes sense financially for him. Absolutely, shouldn't it? Um, John Newen says, just how big is tomorrow's Super Classico? Feel free to choose your own scale. I'm going, and I got pulled up on this for Twitter yesterday, but I'm going to say it anyway. For, for River, it's the biggest match in a decade. And six months. Uh, I'm going for the biggest match since the second leg of the 2004 Liverpool semi-final, which of course was also a Super Classico. I am aware that since that point, River have played a certain very important home match against Belgrano and were relegated at the end of it, and arguably as well, the match against Almirante Brown, at the end of which they were promoted in 2012, uh, as big in their own way, but they weren't Super Classicos and they weren't in a continental semi-final. Yes, the, 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 the meaning of it, you can, you can say that... Uh, you don't, you never know how when you will play again against the your arch rival uh, for a, a, a an international cup and the same instances ten years before like you said. So if you have to wait, for example, uh, ten years, fifteen years, you never know. Uh, could be twenty years. That that marks that is the importance of, of the match because. Mm. Perhaps never again, because you 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 can say twenty. Oh, it'll happen again. It yes, it will, but but you never you you is is just the, the, there was coincidence with the well twenty oh four and twenty fourteen ten yeah. years, just ten years ago the of same course. instance because it's semi finals, and the same because it was first match at the Bombonera and, and the second match, second leg in the Monumental with no away. Well, it's pixel so like highly and poorly of Argentine football at the same time that 10 years after that same instance it's been, being played all over again a cup tie between the two most important teams in Argentina with no away fans uh, and basically uh, a year to, to brag about after the game yeah um, we have to really start working through this now but Santiago Corbalan asks how does changing the championship instead of having two small seasons uh, having one benefit the AFA, as we say, it, it federalises the tournament, it makes it more nationwide, it, and apart from that, they've not thought it through properly, so bluntly, it doesn't really. Um, Luis Bessone says, first of all, where are the hot hand of pod t-shirts that you promised subscribers if we've won the Primera before you were deported? Um, I didn't say anything like that, thank you very much. Do we agree that Newell's and their strongly disliked contemporary San Lorenzo are the biggest disappointments of this championship? That's one that we're going to have to answer in a week or two when the championship's actually over, but I don't think Newell's have been as disappointing as San Lorenzo, I have to say, but Luis is, of course, a Newell's fan, so maybe he feels differently. And finally, still difficult for me to watch Albi Celeste matches without embittered bile clogging my esophagus from the World Cup final. Am I alone? You two are Argentine. No. So? Yeah, I cannot. I actually, 
Even though we have played since the World Cup, I I have to confess I haven't seen one single game because the like the, that bit, bitter sensation basically stays with me. Um, I, I I anyway couldn't watch any any entire match because of times in which they are played. So uh, I I just forgot about them. They, I didn't give them so importance. If you talk about friendlies, I will. Try to watch Copa America because it will be the first uh, important tournament with uh, Gerardo Martino as the coach, mm. and that will be that will really be the start of a new year. Okay. Until that, I won't pay very much importance. And we have one from via email, which uh, maybe requires a bit of historical investigation before we can answer it properly. But David Ellingham says on Saturday's World Football phone, a listener asked who was the first number ten. Narrowing this down, who was the first player in Argentina to play the number 10 role? For that, David, uh, you might be better... You know already the answer? No, do I bollocks? Uh, (laughs) uh, Might be better served sending that question in again when Jonathan Wilson is back in Argentina and we can ask him because he has after all written the book. That's on... On, re- on reinventing, he had uh, at some point written uh, about this. Very possibly, but I don't have my copy here. Um, so, David, I shall try and ask, answer that one by email for you, if you like. Uh, or we'll try and answer it next week, if you resend it to me. But for this one, we've not had time to research, I'm afraid. And by the way, ladies and gents... Uh, Huracan. Huracan have just won the Copa Argentina, having gone... At 1.31 down in the penalty shootout, so well done to them. <laughs> and they're going to be in the Copa Libertadores next year, in the playoff at least, yeah, so yeah. well done. And the next music, after that wonderful news, and by the way, if you think that we're doing down this at all, that one, one or two sentences that I've just given it is more coverage than the Copa Argentina final is going to get on any other Argentine media, so don't feel that we are <laughs> doing. Um, now, I'm going to play Mystic Sam's theme music. I'll come back and read out Mystic Sam's 18th round predictions for the Torneo de Transición. Okay, here we go. It's just Defensa y Justicia versus Vélez Sarsfield. We've got two matches, by the way, on Friday. Uh, I think it's going to be a Defensa y Justicia victory. Gimnasia Grima La Plata versus Quilmes. I think, first of all, don't watch it. It'll be awful. But secondly, Gimnasia should win. On Saturday, also only two matches. San Lorenzo versus Estudiantes de La Plata. I think it's going to be a draw. And Independiente versus Newell's Old Boys. I think should be an Independiente victory. And then we move to Sunday, which has got a number of big matches, and in which the title might be decided. Tigre versus Atletico de Rafaela. I'm going for a Tigre win. River Plate versus Banfield. This is not the order the match is going to be played in, by the way. Um, I think should be a River victory. Lanús versus Boca Juniors. I think is going to be a Lanús victory, given the very strong... Very strong, and also critical points for the Boca. Rosario Central against Racing Club, I think, is a Racing win. And there might be some degree of jinxing there, because let's face it, after winning the big match on Sunday, it would be the most Racing thing in the world to somehow cock up the title now. 
um, in spite of being two points ahead with two games to go. Godoy Cruz versus Olimpo de Bahia Blanca, I think, should be a definite Godoy Cruz win now. They've sorted their defence out and Olimpo rubbish away. And finally, Arsenal de Sarandi against Belgrano de Cordoba on Monday night, I think is going to be an Arsenal victory. Anything to argue about there, chaps and Arsenal? No, I don't oh. think so. Wonderful. No, in that case, we shall finish because we're all in rather a rush to get away. Now it's half past ten, bloody hell. This is a very late recording. Um, thank you very much for listening, as usual, listeners. And for now, please join us again next week when we'll hopefully, uh, from mine and Andres's point of view, be talking about a River Plate Copa Sudamericana final coming up. Um, and it's, for now, it's goodbye from Gustavo. Goodbye. Goodbye from Andres. Goodbye. Goodbye from our hostess, Asna. Goodbye. Goodbye from Vinicius, who's sitting with his head out on the balcony and his body in the flat and isn't going to say anything. And goodbye from me. Goodbye.